Welcome back to Bible time. We're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the holiness and perfectness of your word, the fact that you preserved it and kept it for us. We thank you that we believe it, Lord God. We thank you that you gave it to us. We thank you that you're coming again soon. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust you, that everything that you told us is right and true and righteous and just. We thank you, Father, for truth in the midst of lies. We thank you, Father, for light in a dark world. We thank you, Lord, for the straight and narrow way, Lord, in a crooked and perverse generation. We pray, Lord God, that you would open our eyes to your word and bless us through it in Jesus' name and help us to shine as lights, Father, in this wicked day, Father, that we would shine brightly for Jesus, that we would not be distracted and deceived and and taken down the devil's path, Father. I pray that you'd keep me specifically. Help me to walk with you, Father, and not to succumb, Lord, to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Help me, Father, to walk with you. Help each of us that listens to this message to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it is for his sake we pray this. Amen. Now, here we have some, an event mentioned here in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, called the falling away. This falling away is only mentioned one time in the Bible. There are other references to falling and things like that, but to mention a falling away, a actual, um, the thought of something crumbling away, falling away of people, this falling away. Well, and is it of people? How do we know it's of people? What is this actually talking about? We're really going to zoom in on this falling away today. We're going to title this lesson, The Falling Away. And in order to do that, we're going to have to look closely at some of the things in verse 2 that we kind of skimmed over last time. Last time we were focusing on the day of the Lord out of verse 2, the day of Christ. And in order to really see what this falling away is, we look in verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means in direct context to these people that are shaking the church. They're troubling the church by spirit, by word, and by letter as from us is that the day of Christ is at hand. And the Apostle Paul is saying, don't be deceived by any means. Don't let these people take your heart away from the Bible. Don't let them take your mind away from the from the word of God. Stand stand fast to what you've been taught. Let no man deceive you by any means. Now Colossians, whenever we studied Colossians in chapter 2, I believe those messages are up online. We started posting Bible time in the middle of Colossians 2, and I think we picked up um, verse 8 of chapter 2 in Colossians, so I think we have a whole message on this, but it says here, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. This spoiling that takes place is the devil's goal for you once you are saved. Before you're saved, the devil wants you to die and go to hell for eternity. I don't know why. It doesn't even make sense. The only way the devil makes any sense is just to believe God when God tells you that he's a murderer, a liar, and that he is wicked. (coughs) Everything God is, the devil's the opposite of. 
The devil is as much hateful as God is love. As much as God loves you and sent his son to die for you, the devil hates you and will send the beast and the false prophet and the Antichrist to try and get you to go to hell. The devil is wicked. The devil walks about as a, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't understand the devil. The devil's a great mystery in the Bible, and it's not good to go and meditate on the devil too much other than just to take what the Bible says and meditate about it. But as we look at the work of the devil through the Antichrist here, you must know and you must understand that the devil literally hates you with a perfect hatred, that there is no greater hatred that can be expressed than the hatred that the devil has for you. And we could go into some of that doctrine. We will whenever we hit verses that deal with it more directly. We're not going to dig into that very much today, but just let it be known in your heart. And as you read your Bible, you'll see it, that the devil hates you. He despises you. He he reviles you and he wants to devour you and destroy you. And he's going to use any means that he can use to destroy you. He will use a Christian brother and turn him against you. He will use your own mother and turn her against you. He will use your best friend. He will use you. He will use you against yourself. He'll use you one way and then he'll turn around and attack you with guilt because you listened to him and he got you to do it. The devil's constantly after us trying to destroy us. Now we don't focus on the devil, but we need to be aware of his devices and aware of his deceptions. And here in Colossians, it gives us some of these things that men will do to spoil you, but we need to understand the devil's behind this. Men will spoil you through philosophy. Now, philosophy is a study of the mind, a study of thinking and thought itself. Philosophers are often known for sitting around and thinking and doing nothing. Now, thinking is a wonderful thing, but anytime you find somebody who makes a living by doing nothing but thinking, you probably found somebody to stay away from. That's not the kind of person you need to emulate. God created man and put him in the garden to keep the garden, to work. And he did that while this earth was still a good place to be. Working is a good thing. And there can be intellectual work and labor. But whenever you find somebody that the hardest they ever work is in getting out of work, you know that you have found somebody to stay away from. You know you've found a false prophet or someone that's going to spoil you. So philosophy is the study of the mind and thought and thinking. Vain deceits are empty deceits. Now, what would an, what would an empty deceit be? It would be something that's just just a pure lie. There's no truth to it at all. It's just fabricated. Now, I've told this to my children many times. Lies are cheap. As long as you are constantly trying to defend the truth from lies by arguing against lies, you will have a full-time job. Apologists have figured this out because they can make a lot of money spending their all their time, all the time, arguing with the lies that the left is left extremists and the communists and the Nazis in this country and all of these other, um, all of these other wicked people out there, the hu- secular humanists and the atheists and the atheist religious evolutionists that teach the religion of. Um, rocks to human evolution. These people can be, you can make a full-time living arguing against their lies. And so it, it becomes a very profitable, profitable business. Lies are really, really cheap. You can tell a lie and you just told it and there it is and there it sits, but it takes a lot of work and effort to actually carefully examine and disprove a lie piece by piece. And the devil knows this and he's the father of lies and he can always give out more lies. So if, as long as you're willing to chase the devil's lies and 
and spend all your time arguing with the devil, you will have a full-time job and he will keep you happily employed at it because he doesn't get tired of it. He never gets sick of making more lies. So you'll be spoiled through philosophies. You can be spoiled through vain deceits and you can even be spoiled arguing against those vain deceits. You can be spoiled by tradition of men. You can be spoiled by the rudiments of the world, just the way that the world does things and not after Christ. Down here in verse 18, he says, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Now, all of this, and we're going to get into it here. We're going to get into it here in just a minute, but all of this uh, really comes into play whenever we look at the three great means of deceit that the devil has in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2, that we're going to look at in a little bit more detail today as we look at the subject of the falling away. What is the falling away? Why is there a falling away? Is it people? If so, who are they? Why do they fall away? What happens? How do they fall away? What are they falling away from? And I believe that the context clearly indicates the answer to all of these questions. So in Colossians, here looking at this beguiling of your reward in a voluntary humility, I want you to know that this is First of all, we looked at these four things, the vain deceit, tradition of man, rudiments of the world, and philosophies that men will spoil you through. They will use those things to shake you, but then they will also bring in this voluntary humility, worshiping of angels, and intruding into things that they have not seen. And that deals with with going beyond the Bible, extra-biblical, and bringing you into subjection to their extra-biblical notions. We may come back to that in just a second. Let's look at 2, Corinthians, or 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 2, that you not, be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So that list that's given there, that you be not troubled by spirit, by word, by letter, these are as from us. So we could interpose that as from us and be factually accurate in our statement. The Bible is perfect in how it says it. So I'm not saying that I'm correcting the Bible in any way. I'm just wanting you to apply the words the way they're written. So you could say neither by spirit as from us, neither by word as from us, nor by letter as from us. The as from us applies to each area that is mentioned there. So while the devil can use philosophies and the devil can use traditions and the devil can use vain deceits and the devil can use rudiments of the world, the devil has far more effective weapons in his arsenal. He has three very powerful weapons that are going to precipitate or bring to a climax the falling away. And what are those three weapons that he's going to use? A spirit as from us, a spirit that mimics and looks like and sounds like and feels like the Holy Spirit of God. The apostle said, the word of God came unto you, not in word only, but in power. He speaks of how they spoke to them in spiritual. If we go to Corinthians, go over there to 1 Corinthians real quick. We'll find that the natural man receiveth, receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And that's 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. 
Verse 12 says that we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, lowercase s, the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So this is dealing with a spiritual interaction on the human level. So there's the Holy Spirit of God, and then there is the spirit of a man that can sustain his infirmity in Proverbs. And so the spirit of the man that was dead and trespasses in sin can interact with God on a spiritual level. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. Because when Adam sinned, Adam died spiritually. And that spiritual man that could sustain his infirmity was no longer there. And Adam was dead in trespasses and sins. And so are you until you get saved. When you're saved by the blood of the crucified one, that spirit within you, lowercase s, is revived, rejuvenated, reborn by the power of the Holy Spirit, capital, uppercase, S and the two are joined together in the heart of the regenerate believer and he is now a full man, body, soul, and living spirit. And that lowercase s spirit is given things of God according to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12, that we received the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth but which the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the uppercase S of the spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So here is this, this reality that the new man, the new creature in Christ has a new reborn spirit that interacts with the Holy Spirit. But what of the lost man? Well, the lost man is also a spiritual person, but his spirit within him is dead in trespasses and sins. Now that dead spirit within him can be made to feel alive by other spirits. And there are unholy spirits that can move in and simulate the feelings that are spoken of by true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They can simulate the feelings. They can simulate the reactions. They can simulate the teaching of the Holy Spirit in a lost man to a lost man. Now you say, how can they do that? If they're not really the Holy Ghost, then how, how come it would seem so much like the Holy Ghost? Because the man is dead. That's why. If the man was alive, he would be able to discern the difference between the spirits. But because he is dead, he can't can't tell the difference. But he thinks he can tell the difference. He thinks he can tell the difference because he feels something and he and he thinks that he knows what you're talking about. How many of you, if you had never seen blue before in your lives, but you felt it, would say, now I know what blue looks like. Well, you wouldn't do that if you were intelligent because you'd only felt it. But if you didn't know anybody could see and you thought that feeling was seen, then you would say that you knew what blue looked like, even though you could only feel it being blind. Does that make sense? Well, so it is with the lost man. The lost man thinks that he can know the things of God. Whenever unholy spirits begin to work in his heart and he goes to a church and they start playing their music and they say, the spirit of God is in this place. And he starts to feel something within him. He has not previously felt that moving within his spirit seems to line up with what he is hearing. And he thinks then that he has 
received the spirit of God according to the word of God, because that is all that he can relate to regarding the spirit of God. And he's trying to understand the spirit of God with his natural man, which cannot receive the things of God. But yet he's trying and he's striving because that's all he's got. So as he reaches out for that spirit of God with his natural man, and he comes in contact with an unclean spirit, an unholy spirit that is simulating the work of the Holy Spirit and acting like the Holy Spirit and using the words of the Bible, that man becomes convinced in his heart that he has received the Holy Spirit. And his blindness keeps him from being able to discern the difference. Now, once he's convinced of that, he won't be, he won't listen to anybody otherwise. And he'll go on and argue that he has the Holy Spirit. How can you really know if he's got the Holy Spirit? Well, let's go over to first John chapter four, first John chapter four. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God, capital S, spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. How? How did we get on the topic of the Antichrist all of a sudden? Doesn't that tie in to the very passage that we're looking at over here in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3? Absolutely. <coughs> I'm glad you asked. It absolutely does. These two things tie together perfectly. And you're going to find that what God is teaching us here in 2 Thessalonians lines up with the rest of the Bible perfectly, if you're rightly dividing it, and that God knows the end from the beginning. And God is telling you about the falling away that is going to lead into the reception of the Antichrist. Now, this doctrine of Jesus Christ come in the flesh, that's an easy thing to say in today's redefined world. But if you define the term the way the Bible defined the terms, all of a sudden you'll find that guy that sounded like he agreed with you, doesn't agree with you at all. And all of a sudden he's spluttering and stuttering because you actually forced him to define the terms. Defining terms is extremely powerful. Whenever I meet a Mormon and they say, I believe in Jesus Christ, I say, no, you don't. And I'm glad to meet you and I'm glad to talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ, but you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they say, yes, I do. I go to the church of the Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. And I say, I know you go to the church of, the, of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, but you don't believe in Jesus Christ. You have another Jesus. They say, oh no, we believe in the same Jesus. And I say, wait a second. My Bible says that Jesus Christ thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And therefore, he is God, that he is one with God. But your Bible teaches that Jesus was created by God as a sub-created being that ascended to a higher level of God-likeness over his brother, Satan, who is equally created with him. So your Bible teaches that Jesus and Satan are equal. My Bible teaches that Jesus and God are equal. We do not have the same Bible. Which one are you talking about? Are you talking about your Jesus, who is equal with Satan? Satan, and therefore I can tell you where he's coming, came from and where he's going. Or are you talking about my Jesus, who the Bible talks about, who created Satan, who is God. And when he created Satan, Satan wasn't Satan. Satan was Lucifer, an angel of light who was beautiful in his creation. And whenever we start defining terms like that, I find that I've never met a Mormon yet who can 
genuinely and joyfully stand there and pretend to have fellowship any longer. And pretty soon they get either uncomfortable or they start blaspheming one or the other. So if you define the terms, you're going to find out there's some big differences. I hope I'm not giving off any kind of pride whenever I say that. It's pretty simple. And it's not like it takes a rocket scientist. There's, listen, I just want to say this with all the love in my heart. There's not a stupider religion on the face of the earth than Mormonism. And I say that with all the love in my heart. You have to be deluded, deluded to follow that religion. It is absolutely inconceivably beyond reason. It's one of the most ridiculous religions that I've ever seen. It ranks right up there with humanistic evolution. Some of the stupidest ideas that you will ever hear. About, oh, by the way, did you notice Mormonism is making a surge in this nation that has given itself over to humanistic evolution? That actually makes sense. You know, Mormonism actually ties in perfectly with evolution because they the whole religion builds around man evolving into God. But we're going to move on from there. So this falling away that's going to happen, first of all, comes through false spirits of false spirit that denies that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This can be done subtly. Satan does not usually put up signs that say, Church of Satan, revelations given by Moroni, come in here and be baptized for the dead in your holy underwear while we take your wife and your daughters to be our polygamous slaves in the background. He doesn't put up signs like that. He puts up signs that say, Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, and with tall steeples and beautiful buildings and wonderful landscaping and rich wealthy people smiling at each other with the perfect little family poses for the camera and that's what he puts out front but underneath it all is this lying spirit underneath it this false spirit so satan uses false spirits Oh, Lord, help us today. This is so deep and so thick, we can't even hardly get everywhere that I want to get. Hopefully, we'll come back to this false lying spirit here in just a minute. Um, I don't even know where to go because this thing ties together so well. Everything ties together so well, it's hard to even follow the train of thought because it all it's all just one great, big, wonderful reality, truth. You say, what's so wonderful about this? Well, what's wonderful is the truth. You shall know the truth, and it shall make you free. It's wonderful to have the truth. Let's look just a minute at this word, as from us. We look just a minute at the spirit, as by us. Let's look at the word, as by us. So here he says, I don't want you to be shaken by the word, as by us. So we have a counterfeit spirit that the devil is going to use to produce a falling away. A spirit that interacts with the dead, unregenerate spirits of fallen, unrepentant, lost men to get them to believe that they have the spirit of God. And then the devil's going to use a very powerful tool called the word as from us. So this should be Bibles that are marked Bible on the cover that say they're from apostolic descent that are actually from another source. That's what this is saying. And if you say I'm stretching that, then I would ask you to say, you explain to me what does nor by word as from us mean? He's saying word like the Bible. Yep. Word as from us that descends from another source other than the apostles. You think it's coming from the apostles. It's got the apostles marks on it. It uses the apostles names, but it's not from the apostles. It's from another source. And we have that today. 
We have today almost 500 Bible versions in English. Some of you roll your eyes and sigh and say, oh, I wish he would get off this subject. And I say to you, I ain't getting off this subject. Listen to me. We have this brought up by God. And where is it brought up? In context of the falling away and the revelation of the Antichrist. God prophesied right here, right here in the Bible, that right before the Antichrist is revealed, there would be a surge of Bibles that pretend to be God's Bibles that come from another source. God showed it to us right here in the Bible. And here in America, in the English language alone, we have over 500, I believe it is, at least proposed and started on, proposed and or started on Bible versions, well over 200 readily available and pushing 500 that they want to get out, Bible versions that all claim to be the Holy Bible. They say Bible on them. They say Holy Bible on them. They claim to be from the original texts and the oldest manuscripts. But whenever you look at them in any kind of detail, it's very plain to see and very quickly plain that they none of them even agree with each other and they none of them agree with the originals. I've got a Bible here that I'm reading out of that agrees with the originals, and I know it agrees with the originals. And whenever I read this Bible, I know I'm reading God's Word. But there are hundreds of other Bibles out there that are now being put all across the nation as if they're equal to the Word of God. We have this... um, Boy, the word that came to mind, I'm not sure I can define, so I'm going to skip that word and move on. Not pretend like I know it. So the... (coughs) I'll have to look that one up. But we have all these Bibles. Let's, let's go to the word metaphysical. We have all these metaphysical thought philosophers out here today that think that the Bible is something that because the natural man cannot receive it, that therefore the literal words on the page don't matter, but rather your perception of the words are what matters. And this idea has moved from truth to error. It has moved from doctrine to heresy. It has given birth to and rise to more heresy than any other time in the known world. There's more heresies out there and recorded and available for people to get involved with than ever. And it is because of this word as from us, these false Bibles. If we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So here the apostle Paul is saying um, to the church at Corinth, he says, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Now there's the whole argument over the living word and the written word, and everybody wants to go back and forth about that. Well, here the apostle Paul is using the little W. And so those of you that can want to argue back and forth right here, he's talking about the literal written word of God and that there are people that are going to corrupt the written word of God. Now we know from the word of God that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as if the only begotten of the father, our hands have handled him, our eyes have seen him, our ears have heard him. That's the testimony of the word of God, the the lowercase w word of God. We know that the lowercase w word of God, God said, I have exalted my word above my name and that God said of his words that they are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth seven times. We know that God said of his little lowercase w word that he would keep his words forever from this generation forever. We know that God does not separate his word from his word, his lowercase w word 
from his uppercase W word that Jesus Christ, the living word, is no better than his lowercase W word, the words that proceed out of his mouth. We also know that Jesus Christ, the living word, has a sword that proceeds out of his mouth, and with it, he will destroy his enemies. And some people seem to think that the sword that proceeds out of his mouth is rusty and fallen into decay and has not been taken care of. But I've got news for you. No warrior worth his salt lets his sword rust in the sheath. And Jesus Christ has not let his sword rust. It's still polished and shiny and ready to roll. Now, the literal physical word of God is available for us today. The Apostle Paul warned us that there would be those that corrupt the word of God, that want to take away the word of God. And we'll, um, we'll touch on this in more detail um, when we look at the letter as from us. But in 2 Peter 3, he even deals with those that rest the scriptures, wrestle away the scriptures, twist the Bible. So the devil has a weapon and his weapon is the false spirits, false spirits that mimic and imitate the work of the Holy Spirit of God that pretend to be the Holy Spirit of God and simulate true righteousness and simulate true holiness, but only simulate it. It's surface deep. There's nothing underneath. And Jesus said, by their fruits, ye shall know them. So you need not be deceived. Second Corinthians two seventeen there tells us of the corrupted word. And the, then Peter also alludes to it. He says, um, that we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So there is corruptible seed and there is incorruptible seed. And the corruptible seed is the corrupted, defiled, defrauded word of God, the fake Bibles, one of Satan's greatest and most powerful weapons in his arsenal. I am amazed at the absolute ignorance of Christians so-called in today's day who follow false spirits and false Bibles. What is amazing to me about it is probably my own inability to cope with the fact that God says they're not of us. They went out from us because they were not of us. You say, oh, that's awful harsh. Listen, if you really love God, you're not going to leave the word of God. Now, you might not start with it, but you're going to find it. You're going to find your way to it. All these people that are give and take on the word of God, listen, you're going to have to face God about this thing. This is serious. This is not something little. It's not something small. It's not something that you can take and leave. The Bible told us that there's a lying spirit in 1 John and that that lying spirit is the spirit of Antichrist. Well, we just mentioned earlier about Mormons and they believe that Jesus is equal with Satan. I believe that Jesus is equal with God. Their Bible teaches that Jesus is equal with Satan. But did you know that the NIV also teaches that Jesus is equal with Satan. The NIV Bible, the ESV Bible, I believe the RSV Bible, many other popular Bibles will render the name of Satan in Isaiah as the morning star rather than son of the morning as it is in the original Hebrew. So instead of rendering it as it's written in the Hebrew, they have altered and added and perverted the word of God to make the Bible call Satan Jesus, son of the morning. 
morning has been changed to morning star. Check it out in your Bible. And then look in Revelation where Jesus says, I am the bright and morning star. Then we can go over to Philippians where Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but it says was in all points made himself lower than the angels took on him the form of a man. And there in the authorized version Bible, Jesus thought not robbery to be equal with God. And yet in these other Bibles like the ESV and the RSV and the NIV and the NLT and on and on and on and on it all goes in all of these Bibles over and over again, they use different ways of saying something to the effect of, I'll quote one of the revisions of the NIV that says that Jesus thought not to be equal with God, stating that Jesus did not think he was equal with God. Now, whose side are they on? Whose side are those Bible translators on? Who are they working for? That is the spirit of Antichrist. That is the spirit of Antichrist in the Bible, on the pulpit, on the desk of your pastor, in your church. What is going on? The Bible predicted it here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us is that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except the come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed. We will get to that man of sin. That may have to be another lesson for another day. But we're looking here at this falling away that leads in to the man of sin and the revelation of the man of sin, the falling away that prepares the world for the Antichrist. And what is the means that is used by the devil to produce this great falling away? The first of his great weapons is not philosophy. It is not traditions of men. These are powerful things that the devil can use to deceive and spoil Christians. But rather the devil chooses at this great time in history as we wrap up the church age and watch the time come to an end of the Gentiles, ending the time of the Gentiles, ushering in the restoration of Israel, approaching, fast approaching the catching away of the church and the return physically of Jesus. Jesus Christ from heaven to rule and reign on his throne. What are the weapons that the devil is going to use to produce this great falling away and that he is using even today? And we find them here in 2 Thessalonians to be, first of all, a false spirit. A false spirit that mimics and emulates and simulates the work of the Holy Spirit of Christ in the hearts of unregenerate, lost, unrepentant sinners who maintain their life of sin and rebellion against God and disobedience to his word while claiming to be full of the Holy Spirit of God, while claiming to know what it is to be indwelt by the Spirit of God, while claiming to sense the presence of the Almighty in their so-called worship services and yet never repenting of their sins, never turning from their wicked way, never receiving the true holiness and true righteousness that the Holy Spirit of God is told by the word of God to bring with him whenever he indwells a man. Rather, they live they live on with their false spirit, listening to the little voices in their head that have no problem with their sin and yet claiming that 
that those little voices are the Holy Spirit of God. I remember speaking to a woman that grew up under the teaching of Jehovah's Witness cult. And in that cult, they again deny the deity of Jesus Christ. They say that Jesus was not equal with the Father, that he was only the Son and not one with the Father, only one in purpose, not one in reality or practicality, as the Bible clearly teaches is the case. And she was telling me one day, as God happened to give us the opportunity to spend some time together, uh, this older woman was telling me how she had grown up with the knowledge that God is real and that all those years she knew God was real, she would read her Bible and she would hear God's voice speaking to her when she read her Bible. And I find, I looked at her finally and I asked her, I said, when you were hearing God's voice speak to you, was God's voice affirming to you that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh? Or was God's voice that you were hearing denying that Jesus Christ was come in the flesh? And she looked at me and she thought and she said, well, I didn't believe Jesus was God at all. And I still don't. I can see it in the Bible where you're saying that, but I'm just not sure about it. And I showed her these scriptures and some other scriptures. And I told her, if you had a spirit speaking to you that denied that Jesus Christ was come in the flesh, according to the word of God, what kind of spirit was it? She turned pale. She sat there trembling just a little bit. And she said, and she was, she was frightful. I don't blame her for what a frightful revelation. But do you know what she did? She said, you're right. According to the Bible, that could not have been the spirit of God. And when she said that, I believe she was loosed from her deception. It was a few weeks later that I found I'd heard from another that she had repented, turned to Jesus Christ, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and she'd gone back to an old church that she had been at when she was a child that preached the word of God and that preached it in truth. A church her mother had tried to tear up as a Jehovah's Witness and that she went back to and submitted to that church and became a member of that church believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this is a dangerous weapon in the arsenal of the enemy, a false spirit, a spirit that simulates the word that simulates the spirit of God. Another dangerous weapon, a false Bible, a Bible from another source. Now, as we as we look at this false Bible built by the lying spirit, we have we have two basic sources where all the Bibles in English come from. The first source that all the Bibles in English come from or can possibly come from, the first source is the divine source, the divinely inspired, preserved source, the Bible that was passed on from generation to generation called the received text, the body of manuscript evidence passed down by the churches and passed down before the Gentile church by the Jews that was preserved by the hand of almighty God. God using human instrumentality. And that, that body of document manuscript evidence is what gave birth to the modern English, the, well, I should say the, well, modern in the sense of the last 2000 years, but not modern in our last 200 years. This is what gave birth to the authorized version Bible, which was the final of seven major English translations of the Bible from the original texts into English. That is our main one source, one option that you have for Bibles in English, and that's called the received text. 
church, some churches still use Bibles that are based on entirely the received text. Most do not anymore. There is another source that many Bibles come to today, and that is an Alexandrian text for the Greek, as well as the edits that they made to the Hebrew and other corrupt Hebrew texts. But especially in the Greek, these Alexandrian texts and two documents called Codex Sinaiticus and Codex Vaticanus, these two documents were blended together by two men in the late 18th and they produced what is called the Nestle text. Now, if I get some of my little details mixed up, shoot me an email, correct me on it, but you better be able to show me, um, show me something documented. I've got documented stuff. I, sh- I wasn't really planning on going into the sources as much as I am right now. And we're going to, so I didn't bring all the sources and everything for it, but this is all verifiable. You can go check it out for yourself. So Codex Sinaiticus, Codex Vaticanus got blended together into a new Greek text, a revised text. This, these two texts disagreed with each other over 10,000 times. Westcott and Hort, the two men that spearheaded this operation were infidels. They were unbelievers. They denied the deity of Christ. They had the spirit of antichrist and they got on the revision committee for the authorized version Bible. And instead of revising the authorized version Bible, which had been revised another seven times since its inception, the, they instead created a new Bible called the revised version if I'm remembering that right. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But that first new version that they came out of was the first English Bible to be based off of a different source. Every other Bible from that point that has been launched into the English world that I'm aware of has been based off of this false source, even the New King James Version. Every one of them has used this false source. They use a fake source. These are Bibles as from us, but not from us. Bibles as received, but not received. Bibles pretending to be Bibles that are not really Bibles. Bibles that are infused with the spirit of Antichrist. Now, you would say, well, they say basically the same thing. God is not basically God. God is entirely God. And if you had two ears stuck on your belly and your belly button stuck on your head, you could say, well, he's still basically human human, but it would be a pretty gross perversion and you'd be hard pressed to make it in life with that kind of a disability. And here we have Bibles being sold to us, Bibles being peddled to us that people say these are basically Bibles, but they are not genuinely Bibles. And the difference between genuine and fake is a world of difference, even if they look the same. I've never seen such a generation. I've never heard such a ridiculous bunch of rot in my life. Can you imagine? somebody walking up to a trader not a T-R-A-I-T-O-R, but a T-R-A-D-E-R, a trader, someone who trades in goods. And they walk up to the man and the man says, here, I have a genuine gold ring set with a real diamond found in Africa. And it's about $2,000 if you want to buy that ring. And then the man says, well, have you got something else a little easier on the budget? And he says, right over here, I've got a fake one. It's made out of a bunch of tin and we painted it yellow and we put a shiny rock 
in the top of it. And he says, okay, well, how much is that one? He says, well, it's about $1,800. He says, give me the fake one. It's basically the same thing. What woman in her right mind would be grateful for that piece of trash? What person would say, oh, thank you so much, sweetie dear, whenever he brought home that piece of trash? We, my people, perish for lack of knowledge. I can't even fathom the depth of the, the, the depth of the deception that has swept over our people. You want to know what the falling away is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? We're looking at it right here in the Bible. A falling away from the Spirit of God. A falling away from the Word of God. And we're going to look at the third here next, and that is a letter as from us. So we have the Spirit, the Word, the letter. Now the letters were given to us by the apostles. This word letter is the gives the idea of the epistle. The epistle written by the apostles, which is a very New Testament thing. The Old Testament prophets did not write what they called epistles. We do not have the epistles. Well, of course, there's the difference between Hebrew and Greek and transliteration. Listen, I don't care nearly as much about that as you might. I just want to point out the difference. that this is a New Testament idea, this letter as from us. Now he's gone beyond talking about the whole scope of the word of God, and he's talking about apostolic authority. So we have false spirits as the first weapon that the devil uses. We have false Bibles as the second weapon that the devil uses, and we have false apostles as the third weapon that the devil uses. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And this also would tie right in. This is why I keep telling you this whole thing ties together so well. I don't even know which way to go because now we could get into canonization of the word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14. And we're going to back it up to um, verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So you have false spirits, you have (coughs) false Bibles, and you have false apostles. Go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter (coughs) 3. Excuse me. These false apostles pretended saints of God, pretended powerful disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, working lying signs and wonders. Second Peter 3 and let's see verse 2. That ye be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. We are commanded here to be mindful of the words by the prophets and of us, the apostles of the of the Lord and Savior. Revelation is absolutely plain that there are 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, I am I understand that the Bible in Acts, it refers to Barnabas at one point as an apostle directly. The word apostle means sent. The word now... So the word apostle is a word that is a general word. Apostles of our Lord and Savior is not general. Apostles of the Lamb is not general. It's been made specific. The word sent, apostle, sent, is coupled with who did the sending. There are 12 men handpicked by Jesus Christ for the purpose of giving us the authoritative New Testament that is equal on every level with the writings of Moses. 
The New Testament you can trust is the word of God. Why? How can you trust it? Because of the authority of the apostles, because of the congruency of the apostles' doctrine, because of the harmony of the apostles' doctrine across the different apostles, how God used these 12 apostles to give us the finished, complete 66 books of the Bible. This is how you are not going to be duped. The book of Enoch is not part of the Bible. The book of Jasher is not part of the Bible. The, what is that other book that is included in there? The book of Judas. There's another one. There's other stuff in there. The Apocrypha. This stuff is not the Bible. We have 66 books of the Bible completely finished, sealed by the work of God through the 12 apostles. And there cannot be more added to this book because the 12 apostles have finished their earthly ministry. If anything was to change at all, it would be Christ during the millennial reign and that ain't happened yet. And I'm going to leave that to his discretion. If he wants to write a book, he can write a book. I'll leave it up to him. He's God, but I'm not going to touch it. And you do well not to touch it. And you better watch out for anybody that wants to mess with this book. Because Jesus said, if you take away from the words written in this book, I'll take away your name out of the book of life. He says, if you add to this book, I'll add to you the plagues that are written in this book. This deals with apostolic authority. Now, second Peter verse chapter two or chapter three, verse three says, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation of the creation for this. They willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old. What are they ignorant of? That by the word of God, the heavens were of old. They deny the word of God. And he goes on down here talking about the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, tells them God's coming. He's going to judge, talks about the day of the Lord. Then he tells us, nevertheless, verse 13, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Hath what? Hath written unto you. Letter as from us. So here comes apostolic authority. He says, you need to be watching. You need to be waiting. You need to be without spot. You need to be blameless. How are you going to do it? By being patient and giving careful heed and attention to the word of God. Here he speaks of the written letters of the apostle Paul verse chapter 16 or chapter three, verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things, beware, beware, lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. And there is that word fall. Beware, lest ye fall from your own steadfastness. We've got so much to cover. How could we cover it all? This Bible laces together so beautifully and so seamlessly, and it all ties together so well. You can't hardly even just take a section out and look at it closely because it just just completely laces into every other section. Let's run over to the book of Jude real quick. 
So we're dealing with this falling away. Falling away is what Jude is written about. Jude is written to the falling away church. It comes right before Revelation for a reason in your Bible. It's in that order because it comes right before the great tribulation. And here old Jude is talking to the falling away church. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, let's look at his closing remarks here. In verse 24, he says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And his whole his whole epistle here is written to people who are falling, people who are departing, people who are leaving the faith, people who are leaving the word of God. By the way, I hope you noticed that whenever we looked at the devil's three main weapons, spirit as from us, word as from us, letter as from us, that all three of them deal with the Bible. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The spirit of God works through the word of God. So the devil has a counterfeit spirit. How can you tell he's a counterfeit spirit? He departs from, disobeys, and rebels against, and reviles, and maligns the word of God. He loves all these fake Bibles. He disseminates all of these errors about the word of God, and he despises the old Bible. He despises that wonderful authorized version Bible perfectly preserved by God purified in a furnace. That word of God, seven times pure, the word of God that we have in English before us today, hated by that false spirit, by that false contemporary spirit, that false modern spirit that is running rampant in our churches today. You can tell him just on this subject alone whenever you're dealing with a false spirit. He's got that false spirit. He's got that false, those false Bibles, those words as from us and he's got those false apostles running around and making false prophecies in the name of our precious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here Jude talks about some of these people. He tells the church mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Listen to this. This is amazing how God ties this together. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and Lord G and our Lord Jesus Christ and brother Michael hit the nail on the head this morning whenever he said these men that deny the preserved perfect word of God and preach against the authorized version Bible are described exactly in Jude verse 4 ungodly men ordained of old to this condemnation denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ these are these certain men crept in unawares we could read on here about these frightful judgments that await these unholy, ungodly men that despise the word of God and bring this great falling away to perfect fruition in perfect time for the Antichrist according to God's divine and sovereign plan for the ages. God is allowing this to take place. It is something that you need to take note of that we have all these Bibles and you can throw that in God's face as proof that he's not real, but God's throwing it right back in your face as proof that judgment is coming because God said the man of sin will not be revealed until that falling away comes first. 
and we're watching it happen right in front of our faces. These, this day with these ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, what is it about them? And this ties in so much. We're going to have to dive into this on our next lesson. We're basically out of time, but as we look at the man of sin coming up, it all ties together. It all lands. It goes right in. We'll probably look at Jude a little bit more whenever we get into this because boy, does it tie in. Do you know that Jude's going to give us some amazing key ingredients to knowing who the Antichrist is going to give us? Jude, I'm going to give you this hint. You can look for it on your own. Lord willing, we'll, we'll study it out next lesson. Jude is going to tell us who the three sixes are in the Bible that represent the Antichrist. The three men. Six is the number of man. Six, six, six. And there's three men in Jude, you can go find them, that God uses to represent for us this lying spirit of Antichrist that God is going to allow to overcome this world and send it a strong delusion. But we're not going to look at all that right now. Uh, Lord willing, we'll dig into that on the next lesson. Let's jump over to Matthew 7 and try and wrap this thing up. I know it's been scattered today. I know it hasn't been as good as I wish it would have been, but I hope the Holy Spirit of God will take this and use it far beyond what I could ever do with it. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. That word corrupt is used there for a reason corrupt tree. Remember, there's corruptible seed and there's those that corrupt the word of God. And Jesus is warning us here that there are corrupt men. These are the kind of men that creep in unawares and they have thorns and they have thistles, but they say that they're grapevines. Don't buy into it. Don't believe it. Listen, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Oh, God help me. Um, I'll say it again in just a minute. Let's keep reading in Matthew 7. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. <coughs> every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. As you're turning to Titus, and we'll wrap it up there, uh, go to Titus real quick. Jesus here is saying it's not what they say, it's what they do that you've got to watch. Because they'll say all the right things, but they'll do none of it. And that's the day that we live in today. Whenever a man says that he's a preacher of God and he holds up a blasphemer's Bible, the blasphemer's Bible like the old NIV. Did you know the Jehovah's Witness have recently approved the NIV as an acceptable alternate to the New World Translation? In reality, the NIV has more heretic changes in it than the NIV or the NIV has more than the New World Translation, which was specially made by Jehovah's Witnesses to deny the deity of Christ. But the NIV has recently reached the point with its revisions where the Jehovah's Witnesses have accepted it as an acceptable Bible to use. 
Isn't that amazing? No, it's not amazing to me, but it might be amazing to some of you. Uh, most of you probably stick your head in the sand out there and pretend like none of this exists and act like I'm some kind of quack and extremist. But that's just because the falling away is going on and you're part of it if that's what you're doing. Now, Titus. If you think that's rough, I'm holding back. I'm trying to be nice. Titus, let's look at this. This is what I said I'd tell you later that I've said before and I'll say again. But I'm going to give you scripture before I say it. A bishop, verse 7, must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy temperate. Everybody on the same page there? Everybody like that? That sounds good, right? We, wanna, we want a bishop. He can't be going and getting in boxing matches in the parking lot with other men in the church. He's, he can't be greedy after filthy lucre, lover of hospitality, lover of good men. This is obvious. He needs to be just. You don't want a pastor up there who's one-sided, who always gives the prizes to the kids he likes best whenever he does youth functions. You want a guy that's just. You don't want this, you want, you don't want this respect of persons. He's got to be holy. You don't want a wicked pervert up there. Maybe you do. Um, nobody um, that actually loves the Lord does. Temperate. Verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Here we go and we close. I've said it before. I've said it again. No pastor is worthy of being called a pastor that continues to use blaspheming Bibles and either refuses to look at the subject objectively and ignores it or knows about it. Of those two options, you have a false prophet or a false prophet. If you call yourself a pastor or a preacher and you're using a blasphemer's Bible and you won't even look into the subject objectively, you're going to hide your face from the reality of corrupted word of God and go on using blasphemers Bibles, it's because you serve the devil. And there's no two ways to say it. I'm not the least bit angry. I'm not worked up. I'm not even excited right now. I'm calm and standing flat-footed. And I'd say it to your face if you were standing right in front of me. If you call yourself a pastor and you're going to use a devil's Bible, you are disqualified. You say, what about a pastor who's been taught to use a devil's Bible? If he loves God at all, God will bring him out of it. I promise. I promise. You say, how could you say that? If you say, how could you say that? You don't know God. Because God has exalted his word above his name. And you can't run around using devil's blaspheming Bibles and just not know that there's a problem with it unless there's a problem with you. So if you didn't know, why don't you do some homework and do some study and find out and find the truth. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd take this word and use it, that you'd remove any of my flesh from it that would cause someone to stumble. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless your word as it goes forth. Help me to be faithful and hold fast the faithful word. In Jesus' name, amen.